This is Dina Weiss for Hadar and Parshat Bahalotra. Eye contact. Parshat Bahalotra opens with the mitzvah to light the menorah, the lamp which illuminates God's tent, which is pitched in the midst of the camp of Bnei Israel. The concept of the Mishkan is complicated. On the one hand, the Mishkan is supposed to be God's home, as it were, and so it is modeled on a human home. Many of its vessels reflect the furniture that would be in any house. A table, shulchan, a chest, aron, a lamp, menorah. However, the Mishkan is not an ordinary home. It is a house for God, and God does not have any actual need for furniture. God does not eat at a table, have any belongings to store in a chest, and he does not need a lamp for illumination. Nevertheless, God does command that we construct furniture for the Mishkan, and his choice of furnishings is instructive. The menorah in specific teaches us an important lesson about how to be fully present to one another, and it gestures to the clearest way to demonstrate that presence and attention, eye contact. According to Rashi, the way that the menorah was ignited teaches us about why the menorah needed to be lit. The verse instructs, Daber el Aharon via Marta elav, Baalotcha Tanerot al Mulpnea Menorah, Yairushiv Ataneirot. Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you ignite the lamps, the seven lamps should shine facing the center of the menorah. Rashi explains why it is that the light of each of the six branches of the menorah needed to be inclined towards the center lamp. Yairushiv Ataneirot. The seven lamps should shine. Shisha sha'al sheshet hakanim. Shlosha mizrachim ponim lemulha emtai haptilot shabahan. Vechain shlosha maravim rashia haptilot lemulha emtai. Velama. Kedeshalo yomrum leora hutsarich. The seven lamps should shine. That is, the six lamps that were on the six branches. The wicks of the three in the east would incline towards the middle. And similarly, the three on the west, the tips of the wicks facing the middle. And why? So that they would not say that he, that is God, needs its light. Rashi's interpretation notes that lighting the menorah's external lamps facing inward is actually quite strange and counterintuitive. It is a lighting scheme which minimally illuminates its environment. Instead of structuring the light to face outward, Towards the empty space, the lamps of the menorah are arrayed in a way that illuminates the menorah itself, and not the rest of the room. Rashi explains that the menorah is lit in this way in order to highlight that God is not in need of any light. Since God does not need the menorah for illumination, it can be lit in this way. Therefore, we can understand that since the menorah isn't there to be a light that God needs for himself, it functions as a light that we have the desire to provide. The Midrash understands that the menorah is lit by us and also for us. God uses our light in order to show his appreciation of our efforts and to honor us with his presence. Zesha marakatuv, gam choshech lo yachshich mimcha, v'layla kayom yair, v'chashicha keora. V'lano ata omer lahadlik? Shin Emar Bahalotra Tane wrote, Mashal Lemah Davar Dome, 
למלך שהיה לו אוהב. אמר לו המלך, תדע שאצלך אני סועד היום. לך התקים לי. הלך אוהבו והתקין מיטה של הדיור, שולחן של הדיור. כיוון שבה המלך באו עמו שמשים, סיבבו מנורות של זהב לפניו, מכאן ומכאן. כיוון שראה אוהבו את כל הכבוד הזה, נתבייש, והטמין את כל מה שהתקין לו, שהיה לו הכל מן ההדיוטות. אמר לו המלך, מהו? לא אמרתי לך שאצלך אני סועד היום? למה לא התקנת לי כלום? אמר לו אהבו, אדוני המלך, כשראיתי את כל הכבוד הזה, נתביישתי, והתמנתי כל מה שהתקנתי לך, שהיו כלי הדיוטות. אמר לו המלך, חייך, שאני פוסל את כל כלי שהבאתי עמי, ובשביל אהבתך איני משתמש אלא בשלך. וכך הקדוש ברוך הוא, כולו אורה, שנאמר, ונהורה ימי שירי, והוא אומר לישראל, התקינו מנורה ונרות. This is as the verse stated, even darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day, and the darkness like light. And you are telling us to light, as it says, when you ignite the lamps? What is this analogous to? To a king who had a close friend. The king said to him, No, that I will be eating with you today. Go and prepare for me. The friend went and prepared for him an ordinary chair and table. When the king came, his servants came with him, surrounding him with lamps of gold. When the friend saw all of this extravagance, he was embarrassed and hid what he had prepared for the king, which was all just ordinary. The king said to him, What is this? I said that I was eating with you today. Why didn't you prepare anything for me? His friend replied, My lord, the king, when I saw all of this extravagance, I was embarrassed, and I hid everything that I had prepared for you, since they were all ordinary furnishings. The king said to him, By your life, I will discard any item that I brought with me, and out of love for you, will only use what is yours. So too the Holy Blessed One is entirely light. As it says, light is with him. And he says to Israel, Set up a lamp and lights. This midrash is consistent with the idea that God, who is entirely light, is the source of his own illumination. The lamps that we light pale in comparison to the stars, moon, and sun. We feel this instinctively. We ask ourselves, why would God want to spend time with us when he could be in heaven with the angels and the other perfect beings? When God invites us to light a lamp for him, an imperfect, ordinary light, That is a moment of God's humbling himself to meet us where we are and lovingly accept what we can offer him. God uses our light because God is playing guest, creating an opportunity to be close to us. The oil and fire are of no significance to God. Our lamp of gold is not impressive to him. What is meaningful to him is that we have set the table and lit the lamps for him. The primary function of the menorah is actually not functional. It is mood lighting, creating an intimate environment for when we are close to God. The language of lighting the branches of the menorah facing the central lamp, el mul pnea menorah yairu, they should shine facing, is reminiscent of language that is used elsewhere to describe God's intention of intimacy with us.
In Birkat Kohanim, the priests blessed the people on God's behalf. The language of an illuminated face appears in the central verse. So you shall bless B'nai Yisrael. Say to them, God will bless you and keep you. God will shine his face toward you and show you favor. God will lift his face to you and give you peace. And they will place my name on B'nai Israel, and I will bless them. God's shining his face towards us is a demonstration of paying attention to us. And according to the Sifrei, this verse is specifically referring to contact between God's presence and our eyes. Ya'er Hashem panav e'lecha, yitain lecha ma'or e'nayim. Rabbi Natan Omer, zem or ashchina, God will shine his face towards you. He will give you brightened eyes. Rabbi Natan says, This is the light of the Shechina, as it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God has shone upon you. While Sufrei B'midbar emphasizes, that God's presence affects our gaze, the following Midrash from B'midbar Rabbah states that the most important element of the bracha that we receive through the Kohanim is the knowledge that God is engaging with us directly, peering at us through the openings the Kohanim create. לומר שהקדוש ברוך הוא עומד אחרינו, ולכך הוא אומר, משגיח מן החלונות מבין כתפותיהם של הכוהנים, מציץ מן החרקים מבין אצבעותיהם של כוהנים. אנא דודי ואמר לי, ואני אברכים. When the Holy Blessed One said to Aaron and his sons, So you shall bless B'nai Israel, Israel said to the Holy Blessed One, Master of the Universe, you are telling the priests that they should bless us? We do not need their blessing. What we need is to be blessed by your mouth. As it is written, look out from your holy abode, from the heavens, and bless your people, Israel. The Holy Blessed One said to them, Even though I told the priests that they should bless you, I am standing with them and am blessing you. Therefore, the priests spread out their hands as if to say, The Holy Blessed One is standing behind us. Therefore, it says that God is watching through the openings, between the shoulders of the priests, peeking through the cracks between the priests' fingers. My beloved responded and said to me, And I will bless them. These Midrashim, taken in sum, teach that the greatest gift that we could receive from God, the greatest blessing, is the exchange of glances, 
the making of eye contact. But Midbar Rabbah goes so far as to state that God's blessing would be frustrating and perhaps not even worthwhile if it were not for this element. Good fortune could come to us on account of a blessing from a Kohen, but the sense that God cares about us, that God is looking at and looking after us, that we matter to him, can only come through the unmediated affection of God's loving gaze. The reciprocity at play in these two Midrashim highlight one of the main reasons why eye contact is so uniquely powerful. It is, by nature, reciprocal. If you want to gaze into my eyes, you need to let me gaze into yours. The only way to get access to another person in this way is to give access to yourself. In order for me just to see you, it isn't strictly necessary for me to look directly into your eyes. And in order for you to see me, the same holds true. Yet in order for me to feel seen by you, eye contact is required. If you look at me and seem to look everywhere but into my eyes, it makes it seem like you do not want to interact with me, like I am not important and deserving of attention. Eye contact is for the sake of communicating, not for the sake of seeing. The significance and the intimacy of eye contact highlights that there are different kinds of seeing. Eye contact derives its power from the mutuality, the willingness to look at one another directly. When this or any kind of looking is not welcome, it becomes inappropriate and violating. When the lover in Shirashirin peers through the windows and the lattices of his beloved, he takes a risk. If she loves him, she will return his loving gaze, and they will see each other. If she rejects him, he needs to look away, lest he be found leering inappropriately at a woman who will not be his. Trying to make eye contact is so frightening not only because it exposes a person to the possibility of rejection, but also because it forces them to see that they are being rejected. How tragic that we often reject people accidentally by not realizing what pain we might cause by looking away, by not being willing to engage and to pay attention. God is not only gazing at us during the priestly blessing, but at every opportunity for conversation and prayer. The key to focus in prayer and understanding what is truly happening behind the words is to imagine that God is looking at you, waiting for you to make eye contact with him. Prayer is not about articulating one, one's needs, but about channeling the vulnerability that having needs exposes, and then gazing up at God and speaking directly to him. As the Mishnah Bura explains in the context of the laws of the Kedusha prayer, Ki katvu b'shem sefer hechalot, zelashonam, bruchem atem ladonai, shamayim v'yordei merkava, im tomru v'tagidu livni, masha ni oseh b'sha'ashem akdishim v'yomrim kadosh, 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 v'limdu otam sh'yu e'nehem nesuot lamarom l'vei tfilatam, v'nosim atzmam lamala, it says in the book of Hechalot, You are welcomed by God, those who dwell in heaven and who ride on the chariot. What should you say to my children? What am I doing at the time that they sanctify and say, 
holy, holy, holy. And they taught them that their eyes should be raised to heaven, to the house of prayer, and that they raised themselves up. That I don't have any pleasure in the world greater than that time when their eyes are raised to me and my eyes look into their eyes. At that time, I grab onto my throne, which has the likeness of Yaakov, and I hug and kiss it. And I am reminded of their merit, and I hasten their redemption. Even God, who sees the whole world and himself cannot be seen, uses the experience of eye contact as a way of articulating what it feels like to have someone's complete attention, to feel valued by them, addressed by them, open to them. In a time of constant distraction and competition for looks and likes, let's take the time to truly see the people who really matter to us and make them feel seen by us. God furnished his home in a way that was designed for maximum intimacy between himself and us. We should structure our lives to maximize the vulnerability and intimacy between one another. Wishing you a Shabbat of gazing into God's eyes. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.